Hey, welcome to the Upland Nation podcast. Hope your season is going well. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And my contention that hunting season is also training season. Pulled some thoughts together on that based on a whole bunch of situations and requests from some of you. So that'll be the main topic today. Uh, If your dog is backsliding this part of the season or your dog is complaining that the human is backsliding, well, we're going to talk about uh, ways to identify and possibly solve some of those problems. Some suggestions, some common situations, uh, some from you, some from me and my observations. So uh, stick around for all of that if you are a dog owner, trainer, bird hunter. Who else would be listening? Anyway, I'm glad you could join me and we will uh, we'll, we'll still talk about a few other things, including, oh, by the way, there's a holiday coming up. Did you realize that? Um, your dogs have been telling me what they're going to uh, get for you and uh, you've been telling me what you're going to get for your dog. So we'll cover a little bit of that. I'll give you a quick uh, debrief on a Hungarian partridge hunt I did recently and it's all brought to you by... Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Mid-Valley Clays and Shooting School, True Lock Choke Tubes, MidwayUSA.com, Purina Pro Plan Sport Dog Food, LandTrust.com, and High Viz Shooting Systems. Well, I'm lucky enough not to have made too many enemies out there. Some of my friends uh, invite me to some of their places once in a while. And uh, maybe you're fortunate enough to to do that or have that done to you. So thank you, Felton, in advance. I'm um, not going to brag uh, specifically, but what an incredible trip. You know, I'm beginning to think that Hungarian partridge are hanging out in all sorts of places that are new to them. They're colonizing some new areas. And you know, while Northeast Oregon has not been particularly known for that particular bird, they are coming back with a vengeance, uh, you know, inhabiting a country that I, I've always been accustomed to finding chuckers in, and there are still some chuckers out there, but in some of that, what, what I'll call chucker light country, smaller rocks, shorter grass, slightly gentler hills, um, now the Huns are coming in. <clears throat> we had a great time uh, hunting together. Uh, an English setter and a German wirehead pointer um, coursing the hills. Beautiful situations with nice rolling knobby-like hills. Still a good climb to get up there. And beautiful dog work. Now, if only the human work had been quite as good. Got lots of chances at shots. Biggest observation I made was that they are the most skitterish bird. They're even more skitterish than uh, chuckers sometimes. Chuckers are are generally always looking downhill. Um, When you're approaching, if you can get above them, that helps a lot. They do have a sentinel bird, but they're all looking at you when the cover's short. Huns, uh, they've, I don't know why, but their necks must swivel a little bit more because they're looking downhill, uphill, and everywhere in between. But it gave us a good chance to practice some, some stealth. 
and uh, and it paid off. So uh, hope you've had a good hunt in recent weeks and are getting out for some more. Um, yeah, we'll take a little break for the, the for the holidays um, because it's important too, especially when it comes to re- rewarding your dog and your dog possibly rewarding you. So I went to the social media pages and asked, uh, first off, I asked your dogs what they would get you for Christmas. And um, and you, of course, had to interpret their responses, and I appreciate that on Facebook. So um, let's take a look. Sabrina Serna, yeah, you're not alone. Your dog's going to get you some shooting instructions. Yeah, good for you. Good for both of you. <laughs> Andy Upward's dog is already stocking up on dog treats. Andy, come on. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you just don't want to pay for the ones you he's going to he's going to receive. Yeah, hunting time. Lots of folks talked about getting more time in the field for um, for their humans. Um, Miles Burdett's dog only wants two things dead birds and charlie orison's dog wants hey i love this one and i know several people working on it right now charlie's dog wants a baby brother so the question then becomes what do you want this holiday season Great list. Uh, 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 David Landgren, yeah, don't we all want a new Kriegoff? If if we have to, um, I'm pretty happy with my pointers, but uh, Kriegoff is always a good one. Health at Don. Don, yeah, you're absolutely right. Don's LHU pointers, uh, and, and more power to you there, my friend. Uh, <laughs> still water, Dave. Santa, he hopes that Santa's not pointing a shotgun at him while he's stealing his Christmas cookies. David Klopp, a man of of, uh, uh, my heart, Uh, wants a case of craft beer. Boy, I don't know if that's quite enough around here. Uh, Chocolate Lab puppy for Jerry Calway. John McGuire, oh, he just wants 1,500 acres of great bird habitat. And... uh, uh, Darren Timberlake says he hasn't made the ni- nice list for years, but if he does make it, a private hunt at a local preserve. Hey, I hope you all get what you want under the tree or in your stocking this year. Ho, ho, ho. I haven't made a big deal about Christmas, but there's so much about it. Um, yes, we did pass Thanksgiving, but we can still be grateful for so many things, including our chance to walk out in those beautiful places and watch our dogs work, right? Absolutely. The Upland Nation podcast is brought to you in part by LandTrust.com. I'm grateful for them. Yeah, thankful, very. If you are looking for places to go, and it looks like you are, maybe your Christmas gift to yourself this year is a uh, LandTrust.com account. It's free. Go there, shop around, find a place you want to go, plan your trip from home. Trust you'll have exclusive access to incredible properties. It's a DIY option. You just book the day or several days, and then you and your dogs and maybe a friend or two can go. If you want to stay the night, most of those properties will allow you to camp on the property. Learn more about how the LandTrust.com model works 
you might be pleasantly surprised at the prices as well. Create a free account at LandTrust.com, then shop around. And we're also brought to you by HiVizSites.com, H-I-V-I-Z-S-I-G-H-T-S, HiVizSites.com. See what you've been missing. They have everything from magnetic to screw attach and plain old barrel sights that fit most shotguns on the market. And you don't need a gunsmith. Hey, if I can do it, you can do it. Put one on there. Pick the light pipes color that works best for you. It's no wonder their original equipment on Ruger's, Smith & Wesson's, Benelli's, Browning's, and Remington's, among others. Learn how the right sights, no matter what style of shooting you're doing, Learn how the right sights can improve your accuracy. Learn more at HighVizSights.com. Well, I was asked by a magazine editor a while back to, uh, to ponder this question, and uh, I've, sun- I've since written about it several times, but... Uh, I finally, finally put the long list together of reasons why and things we can do to keep our dogs and and maybe ourselves uh, at optimal performance levels during the season. Let me give you one example and then we'll just jump right in. I was watching... When Flick was really young, by the way, he's six years old now. I cannot believe that. I was watching him skyline on top of a ridge. I was way down. Uh, Chucker's somewhere between him and me, but a little bit over kind of to that side. And all of a sudden, those birds started moving. You know, you know, like when you play pool and, and you know, it's break time, uh, all the balls go in different directions. That's kind of what it looked like from my vantage point. I tried to get up there so that I could shoot something when they got into the air. But I was beat to the punch by my buddy's Labrador, who blew past Flick and dispersed that covey, as they say in uh, the legal world, with prejudice. Birds up. Dogs chasing. Yep. Just another busted flush. So I thought, first off, I got to train better because I want to be able to climb that hill faster. Uh, But I also want my own dog and hopefully other people's dogs to be well-trained enough to know what to do in a situation like that. Maybe Maybe they need some help, but that's okay, too. We're going to talk more about how that works. That uh, hun hunt I was on last week is a perfect example. I, I know Flick is not the best backer in the world, so when we had the chance to spot Felton's dog on point way up there and I had a chance to waylay my dog, I'd get him and I'd walk him in at heel, set him up in the right place to where he would see that dog and stop. And then as we went in on the, you know, on the flush, we would, I would give him a hand signal because we were being stealthy. I'd give him a hand signal and get him to stay there. So he was, in effect, backing, kind of a manual back, if you will. But um, but those are the things that we can do. And we're going to talk more and more about some of those things. This time of year, this part of the season is when all these 
chickens come home to roost, if you will. We've hunted for a couple months. The dog's been having bird contacts of all sorts, maybe good ones, maybe not so good ones. He's doing everything right sometimes and everything wrong sometimes. But so are we. And I'm going to talk about that because the last thing we want is a hunting buddy who's mad at both of us. No shots or very few shots, and they're bad ones. So uh, instead of letting things slide, uh, let's cultivate a slightly higher level of expectation in our dogs this time of year. It's harder. And what I don't mean is spending your limited daylight hours in the yard training as much. I'm, I'm going to talk today about, about training while hunting, keeping that mental viewpoint so that when you have the opportunity or when you want the opportunity, you've got some tools in your tool bag that might help. Granted, I'm not a pro trainer. I've learned a lot in the school of hard knocks working with my own dogs, working with a whole bunch of other dogs, uh, whether it's uh, a NAVDA chapter, a field trial, or anything else. I'm a pretty good observer and a slightly faster learner than I used to be. Here are some of the things that might help you. First, I got some bad news for you. Sometimes it is your fault. The good news is, maybe it won't take so much to put the polish back on your dog's performance if you, first off, agree with me. He already knows what to do. You've trained him well, but even when they're in the field, they're learning. And as you know, in the field, sometimes they're learning some of the things we don't want them to learn. By the way, I'm Scott Linden. This is the Upland Nation podcast, sharing my thoughts, your thoughts, and a whole bunch of observations from other people on, uh, you know, trying to train a little bit more during the season. Now, your dogs have been all season running around, sussing out our tolerance to their slips and slops, to what amounts to disobedience, maybe laziness, we're high-fiving after we finally hit that hard left-to-right crosser, but our dog is backsliding with every bird contact. Like I said, part of it is expectations. Part of it is we got our mind on other things. Here are some lessons. First off, operator error. It's not just the missed shots or the wrong turns you make when you're looking for birds. Maybe, yeah, I know, I know. Maybe we should be wearing the e-collar sometimes. Give it to our friends, dial it way down, and let them train us. Letting the birds train the dog is a great idea. It does help, but for a dog... To function at his peak, there's got to be some human intervention, both during the initial training process and then a, a lot more than we might think, at least in my opinion, during the hunting day. On wild birds, yeah, or pen, it doesn't matter. On birds. I've had enough 
train wrecks in chucker country, for example, to uh, inspire me. So now when I can and when I remember, I'm doing my best to train Flick slightly more. Maybe just dial it up 10 or 20% over the course of a day. You might want to think about the same thing. It will often turn that faux pas into a learning moment. Like I said, you know, Flick is still mastering back. And one way to do it is walk him in on that. The first season in the field with a young dog, maybe you need to control what you want to do, sublimate that to the pup's needs. Be mindful of how we're delivering commands and and then how we generate compliance. Yeah, you you want to use a light finger on any electronics, but there are other ways and Hopefully, you've explored all of those first anyway. In the field, we can still do most of those. In fact, a first season, a lot of folks will call it kind of a training camp, trying to instill similar expectations and teaching the same skills as you did in your home grounds or in your yard or with your training buddies or your NAVDA chapter, doesn't matter. It'll cost you some shots and some birds in the bag and some bragging rights. But remember, this is a 10-year or longer relationship. Make the investment in the first year, and you'll be glad you did. So let's start with the end goal. Why we hunt? Well, you tell me, and by the way, if you haven't, completed my upland nation index survey yet please fill it out and send it back there are good reasons some (laughs) better than others but you do help me in many ways by doing that including deciding what to cover on the podcast so anyway uh, first goal first year why we hunt very clear to watch our dogs work you make a long drive You buy all that gear, and have you seen the cost of ammo these days? Or dog food. (laughs) You make that massive investment, hopefully, in turning out a dog that's worth admiring in the field. A year or two later, if you've done the right things that first year, you will have six eight, ten or more years of incredible hunting together. And you know what that means to you, watching that dog work out a field, figure things out, slam a point, or bust in the flush aggressively so you can get a great shot. All those things will come in later years if you spend some time in earlier years training while you're hunting. Go into every hunt with the goal of reinforcing the skills your dog is learning. Look at the field, like I said, as an extension of your training yard and another chance to connect with your hunting partner. Remember, you you know the rule of seven. 
a dog is not considered fully proofed or trained to any command unless they can do it in seven different places. They've, they practice in all these other locations because they're place learners. So here's another place to practice that, the hunting field, that one over there, and then the one down the road. So train yourself to be a trainer, even in the field. <laughs> one morning we were in this oh one of the more wicked canyons that i i like and i don't like it because it's wicked it's very steep but i like it because the habitat is just great for watching a dog it's kind of like an amphitheater you can walk uphill you know at the bottom and watch a dog just arcing back and forth this one i think we're in yeah central nevada and it's just so cool to watch there's just enough sage to hide birds but not enough to cover up your dog work so we were doing that and i kept thinking you know this is a perfect opportunity to um to help him a little bit and son of a gun if it did not pay off within another half hour we were at the tail at the uphill end of that when tom's dog hit a point flick was still way down working the other side the other slope while she hit the the she was on the left he was on the right she points he's still hunting he's coming back this way i called him back to me put him on a lead and healed him up the hill into that point that ruby was on tom got the shot while i was still trying to unsort the lead and put it under my foot so i could get a shot but like i said sometimes that that's what it takes train work the training in there's no 12-step program for any of us who uh are doing this playing this game if there was we'd all be there'd be no room in the room but if we can just acquire a little bit more personal discipline we might be able to avoid some of these mid-season dog disasters manners first off the fine points of obedience yeah, a lot of folks are willing to let everything go once they're in the field. I was talking with a, a guy I've worked with a few times on TV, Aaron uh, Philip Schroeder, um, about this kind of stuff. And, he, and he's primarily, he, he, he guides waterfowling and he does upland both. So the problem is dogs that are expected to be waterfowl dogs and upland dogs, they, they need a little bit more attention. Let's just put it that way. In the blind, you make blind manners a priority, and it is one way to set the stage. If you're a duck hunter, you know, you know, you, you just, for, once you're there and the calls are calling and the wings are cupping and the wind is blowing, are you paying any attention to the dog? Are you giving them a command and then expecting compliance, whether it's sit, whatever you use for quiet or it doesn't matter 
are you giving them and enforcing them? One of the biggest challenges in that regard is uh, on a shot. And this goes for uplanders and waterfowlers. So many dogs, and, and granted, okay, we all have our own expectation as to what a steady dog is, and I'm not going to argue that, but there is a point when you want the dog to stand still before you send them for the retrieve. One way to reinforce that and the perfect way in the field is don't let a dog retrieve everything that falls. Sometimes you want to parse it out to other dogs. Sometimes you're just trying to create a higher level of steadiness. Whatever it is, deny the retrieve once in a while. And thank you, guide and pro trainer Jeremy Crisco, for that suggestion. Uh, we, we do it in the, in the yard. Do we do it in the field? Not often enough. Um, you know Mike Stewart of Wild Rose Kennels, very well-known Labrador retriever trainer. He, he was telling me once about a driven shoot where a bunch of the picker-up dogs, they call them, went off the rails. I mean, and who wouldn't? Heck, I was watching somebody else's TV show yesterday, and, and I think in the opening three minutes they shot 100 birds. Yeah, not the way I make a show, and not just because I'm a bad shooter. But there's more to it than dead birds. In this case, Mike says, all those birds coming down and hitting the ground, a lot of those dogs just decided to become self-employed, hunting for themselves, ignoring the whistles, not honoring, not whining, uh, lots of whining, and just pandemonium out there. And if you've been on a driven shoot, and, and everybody should try it once, uh, you know what that can do. The first thing it does is makes all the other gunners really mad. The second thing it does is it spoils their shooting. So, again, deny some of the retrieves. Get back to basics. Maybe leave your dog home the next time and then start working again on bits and pieces of that whole process so that your dog is eventually waiting for a command before they do what you want them to do. Scott Linden here. This is the Upland Nation podcast. We'll be getting to some of your questions and concerns and some possible ideas for helping in that regard very soon. Uh, let's go on to sloppy retrieves. My gosh. Flick. Oh, man, we're, we're back to it. We're on the training table with dummies again because he just wants to go out and find another bird. He couldn't care. No, he goes and gets them. And knock wood, he does. You should have seen one of the tracks he did recently on a running bird. But when he gets up to me, he just drops it and heads back out into the field. So I've been doing a, a few things, and I, I like this trick, and, and some of the real trainers might cringe at it, but when he starts coming at me with a bird in his mouth, I back up. I keep backing up, and some people have used that trick to, to, to a greater extent. They'll run away from a dog that has a bird in his mouth, and, and that works too. But that's one way I'm 
trying to train a little bit while we're in the field. If I back up, he doesn't put the bird down, and then I surprise him and move up real fast and command uh, him to release it to me. It's a cheat, but it's better than him dropping the bird and then taking off. So um, consider that. Retrieving, uh, if your dog is not running out when commanded to retrieve, well, part of it might be he needs more bird exposure, understands what fun it is to go out and put a bird in his mouth. And you can do that, of course, on a hunt. You can also do that in the yard. So uh, consider that. Uh, Maybe he just has not had enough of that. And that is, again, another training challenge. Another (laughs) retrieving challenge that I have, and maybe you do too, is some dogs get accustomed to retrieving everything at the same distance. It's as far as we can throw a bumper or, you know, we're set up in a way, you know, in a duck hunt, for example, to where all the birds that get shot drop into a pocket. And then what happens if you wing clip one and it falls 200 yards farther away? So, so anymore, I'm doing my best to keep my dog steady so he can actually see the bird fall. So that means steady to wing and shot and fall. Now, if you can't get that far, at least get that dog pointed in the right direction. Um, but in the yard or in your own training field, you can, you can vary the distance that the bumper or the dead bird falls by having a helper throw it using a remote launcher that you can you can launch from anywhere and if you're smart you should do that first on bare ground so the dog can see how far it is and actually can see the bird okay so that's not in the field i get it um but those are things you can do and again if you're holding your dog by a leash because somebody else is doing the gunning for you all the better you guys know Evan Graham, you know, this uh, EvanGraham.net. Um, he's got that smart work system primarily for retrievers, but a lot of his fundamentals are applicable to us as well. Obedience. Obedience, 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 he says. And I'll talk about that as we get down into the second half of the podcast. But... Um, Compliance to basic commands is often neglected. Uh, Again, on a retrieve, mouth issues. Hard mouth, playing with birds, running away with a bird. Yeah, that stellar retrieve on opening day. Well, over the Thanksgiving Day weekend, it was a little bit more lackluster. So um, go back to basics and drill. Why not in the field? You got a dead bird? Why not? Only takes a minute. How about communication breakdowns? When the shooting is hot, the communication is not. You might not have heard of Robin Watson, but you've heard of Tobaya Gun Dogs out of North Carolina. He says... We, 
Okay, we got a gun in one hand. So hand signals go out the window. We might have trained, you know, really hard on, on hand signals or whistle signals or anything else, verbal, of course. But we forget about all of those. It, and, and especially in the field where we, we might need to, like, up the ante. Uh, hand signals are a great reinforcement for your verbal or your whistle commands. So instead of saying, whoa, say, whoa, whoa, voice and hand. And believe me, if you've trained your dog, it, it's, a, it's surprising, pleasantly surprising how well that will work if your dog understands the command. We just got to do it. So break out your <coughs> repertoire of hand signals <coughs> and practice them a little bit more and then use them in the field. All right, so you, you get the idea. A lot of these so-called problems are our fault, not our dog's fault. We drill, practice, condition, test, go to trials, whatever it is. But then when we go hunting, all those things kind of fade away. I know we're human. Hopefully our dogs sympathize. <laughs> we know it's our job to drive the train and our dog is, you know, in the caboose. So we got to get there and we got to get him there in the right way. So um, the second half of our talk today will be about um, what's going on out there and how we can solve some of these problems for you. Frank Joseph, Sean Meyer, Randy Karst, Jason Heiler, Lance Larson. We're going to address all of your concerns and more coming up in the second half of the Upland Nation podcast which is brought to you by truelockchokes.com. Choke tubes for any shooting activity. 2,000 choices there. I bet you can find one, maybe more. I'm becoming a real believer. Uh, you know, I've said it before, and I, uh, I'll say it again. You want a, you want another bird in your bag on, on every hunt? Use good choke tubes. Pattern density, no holes in the pattern. I got a three-bird, one-shot story I'll tell you someday. Uh, good density, perfect patterns. If you haven't patterned your gun, go do it. Go to truelockchokes.com. Look at some of the pattern papers there that they use as examples. You'll understand why a well-engineered choke tube made out of the right materials can probably up your game. T-R-U-L-O-C-K, truelockchokes.com. You want another way to up your game? Take a lesson at midvalleyclays.com. They've got a shooting school in Western Oregon that will absolutely put more birds in the bag. It has for me. Now up on those chucker hills or even in the the jungle we call a conifer forest out here, I'm, I'm not going to do as well as most of you, but I'm doing better than I was. And I have everybody at midvalleyclays.com to thank for that. Now, in addition to lessons, they've got every clay target game imaginable, including Helice. If you haven't shot that yet, man, you got to do it. And lots of shotguns. 
They hunt. They know what works. They stock all the sub-gauges. And they have some of those unique browning models, a Satori with a maple stock and a Satori medallion model. So check it all out at midvalleyclays.com. Maybe it's time for your new Christmas present to be a shotgun or maybe a lesson. Learn more at midvalleyclays.com. So I asked a lot of you, uh, yeah, how, how's your season going? How's your shooting going? How's your dog work going? All because I knew I was going to be pulling this list together and, and, and talking about that subject or those subjects. And, and I got some fascinating responses. And I'll, I'll hit on some of those and how they relate to some of the things I want to talk about that might help you and your dog for the rest of this season and on into the off season. You know, it, I talk for a living, so it's easy for me to do that. But w- when I get out there, and the question is posed to you as well right now, we all talk a good game, but do we walk the talk? I've talked about how dogs are constantly learning while you're watching TV, while you're doing something in the yard, while you're training them, and while you're not training them. They're watching, they're listening. And particularly what they're doing is they're gauging our reaction to what they do. Now, they don't check all those instincts when they get let out of the truck to go hunting. So again, if you let them get away with murder in the field, expect no compliance anywhere else. I know at least one party that will be disappointed, the two-legged party. Maybe the other one, too. Because remember, if our dog is not working right, we're not working right, no birds get put on the ground for you-know-who. And that's what he lives for. We live to watch them do it. They live to carry a bird around. All right, enough about the obvious and about philosophy. Let's get a little more practical. And Frank Joseph, by the way, you are the luckiest guy in the world. I asked you, uh, any dog problems? Nope. She's a bird hunting machine. Okay, so so we all aspire to that, don't we? Sean Meyer says his four-year-old lab has started pointing birds. Okay. I know it's new. <laughs> uh, and no, it's not a breed fault. It's not a genetics issue. It's just cool to watch says Sean Meyer, and and you're absolutely right. You know, there are two schools of thought on that, but I I think you should embrace it, Sean. So good luck on that. Um, Whether your problem is a lab that's decided it's a pointing lab now or you got a bird-finding machine or something else, one way to, to help yourself, help your dog in the field is to go by yourself. And it's a tradition with me now. I I usually go to a certain place on opening weekend uh, by myself, just me and a dog. Now, there may be other partners with me, and we'll all meet up around the campfire later that day. But the first day or two of bird season is a solo affair. Fewer distractions for everybody. There's no stolen points. 
There's no battles for a retrieve. Much less pressure for you or your dog. And in fact, you can be as verbal and as demanding as you want without kind of boogering up somebody else's hunt. Those are all good things, especially with a young dog, but for any dog on the first day of a wild bird season in particular. The added benefit is no other dogs, no other people, so your young dog grows into a a bolder, more inquisitive, independent hunter instead of following somebody else's dog or going where somebody else wants to go. You can use all your tricks. You can say what you need to say. You can manage the performance without any need to accommodate any other humans or any other dogs. Stop shooting. Randy Karst, like so many other people I asked, is working on steady to fall. Now, Randy, you didn't tell me why, but we've talked about a whole bunch of those reasons, and and they're all good ones. Maybe the best thing to do is stop shooting. Let someone else do the shooting. Your hands and your head are free of the number one distraction. God, I got to kill that thing. I got to drop it. The dog deserves it. Let somebody else do it. In my case, they're all better shooters than me. (laughs) I should do that all the time. Um, But if you're not worried about the shooting aspect, you can be um, a better dog manager. Whether that means clip on a lead whether it means verbal signals, hand signals, whether that means you're in a different place. You know, the Smiths uh, have that uh, flank. They touch dogs on the flank to steady them on point. Whatever it takes, you can do all that because that's the only job you have. Hold your fire. Jason Heiler says he hasn't had any issues with the older dogs, uh, breaking in the youngest one well she got to finally find and chase a bird uh, but she hasn't had a lot of bird contacts so now he's at the point where he's you know reining her in literally um jason you didn't say how you're doing it but uh you're you're not allowing the chase now that we know the dog is birdie great The chase is something you get after all the other things are done. You're steady to wing shot and fall if that's what you want. The reward is I get to go out and pick up that bird. And then you're bragging. Jason, that's just bragging. He's got a picture there, and that short hair is on uh, contact bird contact number 24 today. More power to you. You're a lucky guy. Lance Larson has a similar problem. Good old Zane. I'm just glad to see he's still around and running hard. Breaking on the shot uh, or stealing a point. Stealing a bird after another dog's point. Uh, You know, a lot of people will say, okay, the dog that points gets a retrieve. The dog that honors doesn't get anything. 
I get it. The show-offs will sometimes flip that equation. But in, in Zane's case and Lance's case, dog who gets the point gets the bird. Okay. Lance says they had an e-collar discussion about it a few days ago. And, and you know, he's, an, he's a mature Weimaraner, so he, he can handle that. And then Zane started to remember. Okay, all right. So you, I, there's another way to look at it. Keep a list. I've always got my phone with me now. I put it on that memo thing. And then whenever I have an idea, I just talk into the phone. Only takes a minute. Um, so on, on Lance's list was work on honoring another dog's point and not stealing the bird. Went home, started working on it with planted birds, and it worked. All right, here's a big one for me, and if you watch the TV show, you know I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this way more often than I should be. I talk a lot. Sometimes it gets me into trouble. No, I don't mean like that kind of trouble. I haven't been in a bar fight in weeks. But, um, but you know, talking in the field is a two-edged sword. Birds are so so hinky these days. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, <clears throat> again, it happened uh, the last three trips I've been on. You know, you got to be pretty much quiet, stealthy, to get close enough for a shot. But if you're training in the field, maybe you dial down the volume level a little bit. But you can still use all the same commands, praises, and corrections that you use in the yard. Because what if all it takes is one, whoa, to get your dog steady to wing shot on fall on, on that covey that you walked 576 yards to reach? Yeah, <laughs> that was Sunday. <clears throat> So I'm using those things as carefully as I can, and maybe you can do a little bit more. You don't need to keep up a constant dialogue, but when... First off, we are watching our dogs all the time, right? Not talking about the game last night or anything. I don't care if they won. I don't care if it was a great game. <clears throat> we should be watching the dogs. That's why we go. And Terry Petro, thank you again for reminding us all the time to stop and watch our dogs anyway if we're watching our dogs then we know when to deliver a command however we deliver it i sure like the tone and the vibrate functions on my collar now i think flick is okay with them because you know the only difference between a bob white under that bush and a bob white under that bush is one was in the field and one was in the training yard Help your dog. Offer some direction, encouragement, enforce compliance. Make sure you deliver some praise. And in fact, remember, the ultimate praise is, hey, there's a bird. Go put it in your mouth. I trained a lot of that <laughs> on a recent hunt. I was shooting, uh, as per usual, not as well as I'd like to be. Luckily, <clears throat> both of us had birds in the bag. So when... Flick was steady to wing shot and fall. <laughs> I'd, I'd throw a dead bird out there and let him retrieve it. Yes, he knows the difference. But I'd like to pretend that he thinks that I'm 
apologizing, so to speak. And if I can, I'm going to remember to bring a frozen bird on all my trips from now on and put it in the vest just in case I bat zero for a while on our next hunt. The ultimate praise, bird in mouth. I would suggest keeping your finger off the red button on your e-collar control. You know, anytime birds are around, that, that you know, you're, you're treading on thin ice. It may be, he may be distracted. He may, may not be hearing your commands. He may be misunderstanding them. It, it may be all sorts of reasons he's not complying. You don't want him to conflate birds with stimulation. Other than that, speak up via your hands, your voice, your collar control, whatever. Yeah, I know, we all introduce our dogs to gunfire at what we think is the right time and in the right way. My suggestion is we do it sooner and more frequently before we get in the field. I know. I know. It's not training per se, but if it's not training in the in the hunt situation per se, but it's something that needs saying. Once I got wind of a dog that was frankly in an abuse abuse situation, that dog had been taken out. Its first exposure to gunfire was on a hunting preserve. Five guys with semi-autos. One bird gets up. They all unload on it. Nobody actually kills it. The poor thing freaked out, was spending the rest of its life in a 6 by 10 kennel. I, I went to that guy and I shamed him into selling me that dog for a dollar just to get her out of that situation. She was beyond gun shy, and everybody I talked to said she's a lost cause as a, as a hunting dog. She ended up being a great family pet for somebody, and I'm, I'm glad for that. Unfortunately, she taught my dog to jump over a fence over and over. It's a learned skill. <laughs> but anyway, my point is gunfire is one of those things we can't just presume dog hunting dogs want to hear the sounds of hunting. We need to be careful about that earlier on and more frequently so that the dog associates bang with birds. I did a I did a video for MidwayUSA.com on that. So if you want to watch it in more detail, go go in and see see how I might suggest you might consider doing it on your next dog. Um, but even if your dog is proofed to gunfire, maybe not gunfire by you and your buddy on a covey rise. So maybe you need to, again, handle that dog a little bit more during the hunt on the first few shots Al let's see I hope I pronounce this right Arlen Derbreiker I think it's Dutch Arlen um, says their dog is doing well on the pointing part doing well on the finding of the down birds doing terrible on the bringing those dead birds back <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, he'll pick it up, carry it a few steps, and drop it and give me a look that says, let's go get another one. All right, well, you know, in that case, maybe it's time to, to unload the gun and, and, and work a little bit on the stuff that you worked on in the yard. <clears throat> and what's wrong with that? I mean, the birds will wait. It's a five-minute process. You don't want to do a lot of it. You don't want to break their spirit. But consider, at least on one bird, going back to basics and, and re reviewing the retrieving process. Jay Knotner is frustrated. Well, we all are, <laughs> at least at one point in the day. Yeah, but you got it right, Jay. You're frustrated at yourself as much as your dog. It's a great, close working pointer. Okay, I understand you're in New England. You're hunting roughies and, and woodcock. Yeah, but 15 to 20 yards, maybe that's a little bit too close, especially when you do find a pheasant. Okay, I want to know exactly where you're finding a pheasant in New England, but wherever it is, um, your thought is bow will point, and then there's no bird when you get up to him. Well, if he's only 20 yards away, I wonder if that bird left a long time ago. It shouldn't take you long to get there. But um, I don't think your problem is that he is working so close, although I might want to extend his range a little bit too. And you can do that uh, you know, in the yard and then in, in the practice field. But maybe maybe he's um, a little bit too timid about birds and pointing them. I don't know if you've maybe overtrained in that regard. Uh, maybe he is not, um, uh, he doesn't know the difference between old scent and new scent. You know, a bird was there or a bird is there. Uh, again, more more practice, more bird contacts will, will help in that regard. And maybe you need to, you know, loosen up a little bit uh, and praise only the finds where uh, he actually produces a bird. Good luck on that one, Jay. Uh, I know you feel bad. So does he. Um, but if you let him stretch out a little bit, maybe that will help too. Um, I'm a big believer in bringing a truckload of stuff. And, and, and that's, by the way, this is the Upland Nation podcast. I'm Scott Linden. We're talking about all your frustrations about dogs and, and uh, how they forgot everything we trained them so well at before the season started. Um, I've got a little bit of everything in my truck. And, and I, I don't use it all, all the time, but I use some of it many times. Take some of your training tools into the field. They could be your best friend. Most of my young dogs uh, get a lot of work on a check cord. And then as we get closer to the season, that check cord is becoming smaller and shorter and shorter. No reason to leave it off on your first weekend in the field. You know, two, three feet long, it's still a check cord to that dog. It might be just the margin he needs to remember that he's working, not playing. 
e-collar, same way. If you've trained using an e-collar in various ways, put it on him. Even a tie-out stake or a kennel box, depending on what you're trying to, uh, uh, you know, uh, do in the field. When a dog goes on point, do you have one of those, I think they call them traffic leads, the short leashes? I do. And there are times in almost every hunt when I have or wish I had used it on a dog on point. If you haven't explored the repertoire of your e-collar, do it before the season and train those commands. You know, the tone command. I use it, I use it primarily to move my dog from one side to the other. So instead of yelling way or over, I use that. And it, it means we get closer to more birds more often. The beep tone is a little bit loud for most of that stuff, but sometimes there's a place for it, especially if you've muted it in some way. I have a whole bag of cotton balls in my training shed for stuff like that. And the vibrate. You got to train that one carefully. And as if you listen regularly, you know that uh, Jeff Funky, the guy I get my dogs from, is big on stopping woeing to the collar. No, not the stimulation, the vibration. So instead of yelling and hoping the dog 300 or 576 yards away will hear you say, whoa, he just hits the vibrate and that dog slams on the brakes. I'm going to start working on that this off season. Just don't forget, teach it all in the yard. Overlay your verbal commands with your e-collar commands. And uh, maybe Jake Notner, that could help you too. Now, this one, I, 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 I think a lot of us could probably benefit from, and it, it's, it's the hardest one to do. Maybe that's why I'm saving it for last. Warming up. You know, you've driven all night or you've driven two hours or whatever it is it's grueling you get where you want to go you open the tailgate and you let the dog out and you go hunting the dog has the same feeling as you let's get out of here let's get moving i need to pee i need to you know, get find a bird whatever it is also the perfect opportunity to remind that dog that we're working together hey let me do some things with you right here, right now, to instill in you the feeling that we're a team and we're functioning together toward a common goal. My dogs get a quick brush up first thing out of the crate before anybody loads a gun. He gets a walk around the truck at heel. He gets a woe or two. He gets a couple recall drills. If your dog is needing help, maybe you lob a bumper a couple times. All of that calms and focuses the dog. This is work, not play. And even in the middle of the hunt, why not do something like that that allows for a little bit of interaction with the two of you that re 
enforces the idea that there's a boss and an employee and they need to work together. Well, I know, that's a lot of marching orders and a lot of things to put on your to-do list. But those are the things that I've encountered in years and years from other people and been advised by other people to do that might help me. Some of them are original ideas. Most of them are probably not. And I thank everybody who has ever trained and hunted with me for that. Um, so before we go and, um, and cover uh, just a little bit more, uh, let me remind you that we're brought to you in part by MidwayUSA.com. They carry just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. I just got myself a new tent heater there. Lots of camping gear. Of course, all sorts of shooting stuff. And a lot of non-toxic and upland ammo. So no matter where you're going, consider that. Sign up for their email or text messaging and get 10% off your next order. Maybe it's foul weather gear so you can end the season in style, staying dry and warm. Learn more at MidwayUSA.com. And SageandBreaker.com reminds you they've got some great Christmas gun cleaning combos on sale. Everything you need and nothing you don't need. Check it out at SageandBreaker.com. Also, the scope gun cases are ready. They've got more of those range bags in stock. And if you're like me, it's about time to replenish some of the consumables I use. Firearms grease cleaning, lubricating, and protecting spray. Yeah, I'm using them a lot, as you should too. So uh, restock at sageandbreaker.com. If you're in a proplansport.com is where you can learn why the 30-20 formulation is just right. High-protein formula. Real meat is the first ingredient. The right ratio of protein and fat. And that protein is delivering the amino acids that build muscle, including recovery after exercise. ProPlansport.com is the address. Learn more right there and tell them I sent you. And finally, PointerShotguns.com. Get yourself, you deserve a new shotgun. No, 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 um, I'm, I'm not criticizing your current gun choice, but maybe you're ready to go from pump to semi-auto or semi-auto to over and under or to a side-by-side. Or maybe it's time for the younger hunter in your family to get a new gun. They've got something for everybody from entry level to high-end trap shooting guns. It's all at PointerShotguns.com and in all sorts of... Wouldn't it be cool if your new hunter found an olive drab green barreled pointer shotgun under the tree? Find a nearby retailer. Check out all the models at PointerShotguns.com Well, thank you for listening. I hope some of you learned something. I appreciate all of the folks who contributed to this with their questions and concerns. 
keep them coming. I hope you have a great uh, second half of the season. If you commented in any way at any of our social platforms, I sure appreciate it. And by the way, now trying to get active on Instagram too, so uh, watch for us there. If you left a rating or a review, I appreciate it. If you haven't yet, please do. Appreciate that. That's how we grow. And we only grow thanks to the support of our sponsors, Sage and Breaker, Pointer Shotguns, Purina Pro Plan Sport, Mid-Valley Clays, Trulock Chokes, MidwayUSA.com and LandTrust.com. I'm always available to you on social and at FindBirdHuntingSpots.com. Let's talk. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening to the Upland Nation podcast.